All right, let's get into it. I want to rack up some points early so I can spend the rest of the day soaking in my commander's tub. Mirror universe encounter. Mirror universe? This is easy. Yeah, I can pretend to be evil. <laughs> As captain, you must infiltrate the Terran Empire and find a way back to your own dimension. <clears throat> Long live the Empire. I love to hate. Uh, what up, Bigly Mo? <laughs> Yikes. Oh, nothing makes me hornier than torturing someone. I'm horny all the time. And being horny always gets me in the mood to torture. Oh, and you can lose a whole day to that cycle. Okay, screw finding an ally. Let's take over the ship and see if we can dismantle the Terran Empire from the inside. Deviation from mission parameters results in loss of points. Okay, all right, I get it. Yeah, you're not exactly rewarding creativity. Who dareth bump into me? Oh, I dareth. I double dog dareth. Ah! Oh! Okay, good. Just checking. I need to figure out a way to impress or kill the captain so I can get on a more sinister ship. <laughs> Long live the Empire! Long live the... Wait, did you just salute me with your left hand? Our Mariner is right-handed! Uh, no, I just, uh, I strained this shoulder, flogging a Vulcan! <laughs> Get her! I'm your host, Nash Garnigan. With me, saving the Borg babies are... Bill Voivod. Emily Bowen-Marler. And Adam Bowen. Welcome to Strange New Takes, where we are reviewing episodes of this strange new era of Star Trek. Today we're covering the eighth episode of season two of Lower Decks, I Excretus. Make sure to follow us on social media. Uh, that's at Strange New Takes on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter... And uh, make sure to tell your friends about the podcast, uh, as well as give us a five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts. And you can have your friends do that, too. And together, all of these things will make us more searchable, and more people will join us and have more strange new things. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and there's going to be spoilers, not just about the episode that we're discussing, but potentially about anything else in the Trek canon all the way back to the beginning. So be warned. <clears throat> yeah, and if, if you right. saw this episode, your lunch may have been spoiled uh, at a few different times during the episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome again. And we're going to, as, as Emily mentioned before, discuss I Excretus, the eighth episode of the second season of Lower Decks. It was written by Anne Kim. It was directed by Kim Arndt. And now the in-universe date is Arndt Anne. See how it loops back? <laughs> Arndt Kim, Kim Arndt, Arndt. Anyway, uh, anyway let's, uh, let's, let's move on. The in-universe date is actually 2381. We always start with our strange new takes. So who's got a strange new take for me this week? I've, I've got one. Um, so, you know, there's a certain like large national or international coffee chain. Uh, I won't name names, but... Like if, you know, they might be based in Seattle. And if you go in, <laughs> go in, I'm talking about Pete's, obviously. No, um, 
And if you go in and and look at the menu, you'll notice lots of like colorful, like lattes. I mean, literally colorful. Um, And, you know, I think, I think everybody knows that really like, it's like branded as a coffee shop, but really it's a milkshake shop. But, but (laughs) you just like put a shot of espresso in it and then you can call it coffee and like feel better about yourself when you're drinking a milkshake at 730 in the morning. (laughs) That's hey, it's how point. I start every Sunday morning. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is like, is a taco actually a sandwich type of discussion? I like it. <laughs> uh, and and uh, I thought the episode was like, I, I actually kind of am somewhat ambivalent about it. Um, I thought there were some cool, funny, creative things in it, but also thought it was kind of mediocre. <clears throat> Well, for my strange new take, I, I I don't exactly know if I ha- if this is a take so much as I uh, am currently attending the Strange Loop conference, and both of those things have strange in them, so that's that's cool. Maybe this, there's like a uh, some sort of a dual thing that we can do in the future or whatever. Uh, but uh, it's it's great. I learned about uh, quantum computers this morning and. So yeah, later on, I'm going to learn about some, uh, maybe some authorship stuff. That's interesting. So that's cool. Uh, for the episode itself, um, I think we're, we're just, we're, we're pushing the boundaries of, of art and Star Trek in this one. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, that's, that's what Lower Decks is here for. So and by art, do you mean nudes? <laughs> that's what that's what art is. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. My strange new take for life is, wow, the world is so screwed up and everything stinks. But when it's fall, it just feels less screwed up and less horrible. I don't know. I don't know if you all feel this way, but I hate summer. I hate it. It is my least favorite season. And now I'm like forced to like it probably because my kid's in school and that's going to be like the time when we can actually more easily travel and all of that. But I still hate it. And I love the fall. And fall, actually, I think it looks like if I look at the forecast, I think it maybe, maybe has finally arrived because it was teasing us a week and a half ago. Mm -hmm. And then it went away and became summer again. And but now now I think. I think maybe fall is here and life is just better. So that's my strange new take on life. Um, my strange new take on the episode, um, is it excretus or excretus? No. <laughs> 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 um, I don't know. I, I, I actually enjoyed this episode, but um, I think my husband and I both laughed out loud several times while we were watching the episode. So that says something, right? <laughs> My strange new take is that the best TV bromance that we've ever seen um, put onto a TV show is in the HBO series Rome. There are two soldiers, Lucius Verinus and Titus Pullo, played by Kevin McKidd and uh, Ray Stevenson. And that is the coolest duo in the world. That's also extremely underrated two-season series. That is, it's not like super historically accurate, but it is, it's remarkably good in terms of the history uh, for, for a TV show. So if you haven't watched it, highly recommend it. Warning, of course, it's like the Game of Thrones style, you know, excessive nudity, lots of violence. But it is, it does give you an unvarnished view of what actual Roman life was like, rather than kind of just focusing on the palaces and the 
armies or whatever, you actually get to see like the slums of Rome, for example. So it's incredible. And I, I spent hours yesterday watching this YouTube clip. So highly recommend going back, going back there. With this episode, I think I'm starting to feel like this season, the writers are just bubbling with too many ideas and they're very <laughs> impatient. So they're, they've got all of these ideas and they're like, we gotta, we gotta put them in, man. We can't like, we can't wait till next season. And I'm just like, yo, just put it on the idea board and do a full episode instead of filling one episode with 50 of them. It's okay. We can wait. The anticipation is good for us. So, but I'll say more as we as we go in depth here, which, speaking of which, here's the episode summary from Memory Alpha. A consultant arrives on the USS Cerritos. I was so excited to read this, by the way. I'm going to be a consultant next year. Bill, I'm sure you were very excited about this. A consultant arrives on the USS Cerritos to run drills that require the lower deckers and bridge crew to swap duties. All right, so let's talk about story and writing. Um... What did you what did y'all think about the overall theme of this episode? I mean, it, it's it I I guess I I uh I don't know. It's it's interesting because this episode like has us guessing about the theme and has the characters guessing along with us as to like what the theme is. Like are we supposed to be uh getting along with together with each other, which I think kind of is. It's just that uh, plot-wise, that wasn't the theme of the episode uh, in terms of, like, in-universe. I don't know if this is anything that makes any sense. <laughs> but I, I, I think that uh, sort of centering everything around the, uh, the drills at least gave this episode a sort of a focus, even if we did have kind of a messy grab bag of everything. I thought, like, last week, I appreciated that they kind of went away from all their lists you know how every episode is like let me cram as many references of star trek as i possibly can into 10 seconds um and it was kind of a nice break but they kind of went back to it in this one but they didn't do it in quite as frenetic a way as they have in the past so um so it didn't feel it wasn't quite as overwhelming but so that it was just it was i last week was such a nice departure and then they kind of went back a little bit to some of that but yeah and i guess i i'm a little bit confused maybe because i i don't think that i liked the second episode it's the second episode that had Kayshawn in it right uh where they had the sort of like that felt very much like a okay let's just reference a bazillion things and just uh look at objects from every season of star trek and like oh isn't it funny that we blah but uh, for some reason, this one, which was like even more hardcore, like I'm just going to like list almost nearly episode titles if they're not exactly episode titles. And then we're like going to do exact episode uh, sort of plot lines over and over and over again. For some reason, I, I appreciated it here more than I have before. And it's uh, maybe it's because we spent slightly more time with each like riff, but I, I don't know. I I had an intrinsic bad reaction because we've talked to about this on the podcast before where I felt like their previous episodes have kind of felt like a grab bag of the best jokes out of many storylines. And so my first reaction to this was, ugh, they did it again. And I'm not and this time they they like made the whole episode about that. And yeah. but then I watched it the second time and I got less irritated with that stuff. I think I got over my initial reaction and I actually enjoyed most of the drills for what they were. 
But I do think the source of tension at the end, which is that this drill instructor is actually bad and then these drills are contrived, that just didn't, and especially the resolution of it didn't work for me. So I feel like it kind of let down the previous part of the episode by not having a strong enough source of tension, I guess. Yeah, I, I feel exactly the same way. I actually liked the the little vignettes and the drills. I mean, it's just kind of like, you know, a uh, uh, good-natured look back at all these ridiculous Star Trek tropes, like the Wild West planet and whatever, yeah. and, you know, and the Mirror Universe. And um, But it was the wrapper kind of around that that, I, that didn't really do it for me, and especially the resolution. I mean, maybe we'll talk about this more later, but, like, when they take the the trainer um like the scary missions and and kind of scare her straight and i didn't really get that mm -hmm. um yeah and, it, and it, yeah. i feel like it also like takes away some of the <clears throat> like the tension from the show like it like are any of the things that they actually do actually dangerous is like that's why no one's dead is because it's all like a show or whatever i, I it, it it felt like a weird um yeah, I, I agree. A weird way to to resolve it because it it feels like it undermines the rest of the show in some way. So let's let's jump into this a little bit uh, in more detail. We we had at the beginning of the episode we saw that scene that we've seen in again the season trailer. I feel like a lot of these jokes with a show that's just 20 minutes like this, they really shouldn't be giving us any of the best jokes in the trailer. Like they should just the trailer shouldn't should have the minimum of gags because. That whole ship beaming away gag would have been so funny if it was unexpected, but because I knew exactly what was going to happen because I'd watched the trailer, it landed less well for me uh, in in the mm. cold open. Yeah, yeah, but you know, for for what it's worth, I'm pretty sure that um, the trailers are just determined by like the marketing department. Like, I don't think right. like, the writers or the creative team have any say in what gets included. Absolutely, absolutely. This is not on the writers at all. This is just more on like Paramount Plus or whatever who cut the trailers. Mm -hmm. Like, please don't spoil this stuff. It's so funny. Like, unlike other Star Trek where, you know, you can throw in a pivotal scene, but you have no idea what it means until it comes up. With this, you take a good joke and you get rid of it. That's just like one less like beat in the episode. Mm -hmm. So, but it was, it's actually a pretty funny conceit. I like it. I, I'm surprised it doesn't happen more. You know, you gotta like, you, your captain just forgets that there's an away team on the planet and <laughs> zips away. <laughs> well, and and I guess maybe the part of the problem is that uh, the the jokes in this up in this show are set up so that they're mostly one liners. So like you can just show thirty of them in a trailer, whereas uh, something that that has like a bit longer pacing, like it would be hard. You'd be able to get like three or four good ones, and maybe you'd ruin like those parts of those episodes, but. Uh, yeah, I, I I think like maybe my solution is just like uh, no no more watching of trailers of uh, lower decks <laughs> and uh, just like I have previously banned uh, watching interviews with Jonathan Frakes because he tends to just spoil <laughs> the entire show of what he's what he's talking about uh, if they aren't careful with him. I, Adam, I think you're totally right, and I'm just trying to imagine like a. a trailer for something that's has more like slower plotting that builds on it even a comedy like curb your enthusiasm could you do it like ted danson like opens up the cabinet and there's a handkerchief and then it's like da, 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 da. and you know like <laughs> it wouldn't make any sense right without the <laughs> like previous 30 minutes of yeah. all the setup and everything you know <laughs> 
So, essentially, we very quickly after this get to the point of, you know, Mariner and her mom arguing about the the fact that neither group of officers seems to understand the others, lower deckers versus the senior crew. And we bring in this uh, person whose name I'm now forgetting because it's got three syllables in it. Uh, Sherry um, Yin Yem. Yeah, Sherry Yin Yem who is a Pandaren, which is a species that we have previously seen in an episode of the animated series uh, as well. So this is another kind of throwback to the animated series. It's an episode called Bem uh, in that, on that show, and the character we'd seen at that point is Ari Bin Bem. So uh, even the costume that Sherry Yin Yang, what was it? Sherry Yin Yem. Shari, uh, Shari Yin Yem. Uh, yeah, she, and, and no uh, one in the episode can pronounce her name the same. They they, always ch- they change it to like Sherry when she. I th- yeah, I think she has a slightly different pronunciation. But <laughs> that's funny. And I was like, why is the Starfleet person wearing a different outfit? Well, it turns out it's the same outfit that the Pandaren wore in the animated series. So that's yeah. The, so that's if, the reason. Yeah, if if you're wondering why they have this like absolutely ridiculous uh, like character design for an alien, that's just. It's it's so dumb, but it has precedent. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> when when now, you split into three, you have to have a special kind of uniform. Clearly, so there yeah. you go. Yeah, you and got, I, you and got like the little the tiny arms maneuver. out of the feet or out of the the um the legs for some reason. So um this the, the character by the way Shari Yin Yam is played by Lennon Parham, who has uh, been her, her most prominent role to date was as Karen Collins in Veep. Uh, and she's done a bunch of other stuff, including make her own TV show called Playing House. So a pretty, you know, a pretty significant uh, TV actor coming in to voice uh, the guest star. Sherry Yinyam decides to put our Wiley cast, the entire crew this time, where we find out some additional crew names too, by the way, which we'll get to in a second. All of them get put into these holodeck, mini holodecks to go through uh, famous incidents that other crews have been to. Uh <laughs> As you know, everybody in Starfleet apparently watches Star Trek with us, so <laughs> yeah. everybody's aware of these things. And uh, the roles are reversed, so the, the senior officers become the lower deckers, and the lower deckers become the senior officers. And confusingly, this not only happens in the holodeck setting, but even in real life, where the senior officers are shown sleeping in the lower deck quarters, <laughs> and the lower deckers are shown eating pesto, which is apparently some sort of delicacy in the 20, 24th century. Uh, shown, the lower deckers are up in the senior officers' quarters. Oh, I, yeah, I, 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 I don't think I had quite connected that. Yeah, that that's where uh, the lower deckers were. Because uh, because yeah, I I was briefly <clears throat> confused. Like, well, the lower deckers are never all together with each other, and why are the senior officers all all together? But yeah, you cleared that up for me. Um, yeah, it's kind of they don't they don't make it immediately clear. Yeah. No. And I guess for some reason the the senior officer maybe probably just because there's only so many minutes in the episode they they test them all like together in a single pod where uh, I guess because it's holodeck magic like you're even though everyone is really one foot away from each other it, it is somehow expanded to the entire uh, uh, size of a car, cargo bay. That's Don't right. I forgot it, that they were. Yeah, I forgot that the senior officers were all in the same simulation. <laughs> yeah. And so now let's let's get to our simulations because this is this is the when I was referring to the many stories of Star Trek and how maybe this this episode just kind of combined 
many jokes into one instead of giving each of these. I really think a lot of these simulations could have been an entire episode on their own. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the first one is a great example of that because everybody's been clamoring for a Mirror Universe Lower Decks episode and we kind of got it. <laughs> yeah, and, and I guess it, it makes me think like, oh, that that's probably all they'll do in the Mirror Universe um, since... Like, I don't know. We I think we got our jokes out. Like, they're just going to make a, a lot of jokes about uh, uh, how much, the, how horny torture makes them, which. Uh... <laughs> Prince Andorithio doesn't have the same Caspian customs in this uh, in the mirror universe. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I do like that he, he has a reversed uh, uh, instead of so because your facial hair is always <laughs> always backwards. So he has just a chin strap and no mustache in the mirror universe. I did not notice that. I did not notice that. That's, That's hilarious. That's amazing. But yeah, um, I, I thought the mirror universe, the thing that I think became immediately clear and which I really enjoyed in this episode. So I kind of wish they hadn't ruined it in the end by making the holodex like contrive like they, they were contrived to make him hard the, i think what that ruined is for me is that this seemed like a place where mariner was genuinely struggling like i was mm -hmm. i was happy that okay we were finding a situation where her like snarkiness and like uh kind of smarts like uh you know street smarts don't get her ahead like I was kind of appreciating that, all right, you've got some guardrails on what you can do and you actually have to use your, like, tenacity and brains and you can't just, like, snooze your way through this. Yeah. So, but it, then that makes it... Oh. Well, it, it, she she starts out immediately, like, seeing her plan is that she wants to, like, ace these first few so that she can then do nothing later on. So, uh, yeah, it, it, this would have been interesting to have as the actual challenge for her. But then I also found it so, I mean, yes, they were all purposely made so that everyone would fail. But then how, what what explanation do we have for Boimler? Because he completely excelled in it, you know, so that's yeah. that anyway. So it just it, I'm trying to determine what like it says something. Is it saying something about Mariner Mariner or is it saying something about Boimler? Are we showing the ways that actually they're not? on equal footing or I don't know. It just, that could yeah. bring up a whole bunch of things. Yeah. Like it, it made it at the very least, like not an accident that he got onto the, t onto the Titan because like, Oh, if, I mean, if he can be the only person who, who beats like a rigged, uh, set of games that literally no one on his entire ship was able to beat, like, yeah, maybe Boimler yeah. is a badass. <laughs> I, I think it's, it's pretty consistent though. I don't know. I mean, we know mm. that Boimler is like a perfectionist, right? And Mariner is kind of hot-headed, and mm -hmm. um, I guess the, I guess the underlying question is like, which of those traits are valued by Starfleet? And I think it probably is just whatever the writers decide to put in this script that we. You know, <laughs> I don't, I don't I mean, know. If there's some underlying ethos, you know. I I but but that's the thing for me is that like this this season it's felt like the discovery has been that. Uh, the discovery, get it? Uh, the discovery has been that Boimler is actually an incredibly competent officer and mm -hmm. that the things that are holding him back might have been resolved during his time on the Titan. Or uh, another explanation I saw bandied about online is that when he's not afraid, because he knows it's the holodeck, he's able to like truly excel. It's his fear and self-doubt that holds him back. Either way, for me in this episode, 
I I was I was appreciating again the difference in the fact that Mariner was struggling and Boimler was excelling. And like I thought that reversal actually might have led to some interesting kind of character moments later in the season or maybe next season where, you know, not like the teacher becomes the student or something quite contrived like that, but you could have a little bit more kind of uh, of, a, of a flipping of like the mentor dynamic so that at least the two of them can learn from each other more in that way. So, so, so to see the fact that Mariner was struggling kind of be chalked up to Shari... Uh, yin, yin yang, yin yang. Sorry, yin I'm never gonna get this. I'm never gonna get this. Uh, the fact that it was down to her kind of contrivance, that kind of, I think that's the part that put me off. But getting back to the mirror universe, you know, we we talked about meeting Billups with the Shinstrap. We met Miglimo, who just like Siru in the mirror universe, his species is has a very different role now in a yeah, is is just in a falconry helmet or whatever. He's a bird. Yeah, uh, I guess that makes yeah. sense. It's uh, it's pretty weird. And um, I, what did, what did you think of Mirror Boimler? <laughs> I, I I loved his his like speech where he does. Um, uh, I'm trying to find it. Uh, oh, I I don't I don't know if I wrote it down, but it, it it's basically like I need to figure out how to either impress the captain or kill the captain so I can get onto a more sinister ship. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so great. And then, you know, he encounters Mariner. They salute. He immediately, you know, notices that it's the wrong hand and assumes that she must be like an imposter. And it's like game over, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it, I, I did enjoy the kind of specificity of the of, of how Boimler notices a, a mistaken protocol as the thing that gets the gets uh, Mariner also screwed because Mariner is the one who doesn't care about protocol he's the one who does so it's kind of you there, there's obviously some thoughtfulness in the writing of these scenarios um so all right we we, we get to see Mariner have the 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 mirror universe foibles and then she gets dumped into it's naked time <laughs> which I had never thought of the episode title Naked Time, which is that is that the TNG title or is that the the TOS title now? What's what's the what's the I, progression there? Uh, the I Naked think, Now. Yeah, the Naked Now is the, which I don't, it's yeah. the original series, I think, and Naked uh, Time is. Uh, I think that's right. I think that's a TNG episode. Yeah, um, I think I think you're right. Um, I feel like it's switched, but I'm not sure. I'm gonna have to look it up now. Yeah, so it, actually, you're right. Yeah, the, the the in TOS, it's the Naked Time is the name of the episode, and yeah. in oh, okay. TNG, it's the because Naked it's, Now. And I, I like the way the reason I remember it is because I think of the Naked Now being the new, you know, well, this is what it would be like now, kind of thing. Oh, I just uh, remember that screen that clip we always played, um, Adam for Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> the one with with Crusher and and Picard. Oh, yeah, like, we, we need really to, we need to like do find each that other, and play but it for they're everybody. like, <laughs> okay, come on, y'all. Y'all gonna describe this for our podcast audience? What are y'all talking about? I don't actually know. Uh, the, there's a there's a scene with uh, uh, Captain Picard, Picard in Beverly in Beverly where I I think since everyone has like their inhibitions have been lowered, like. I think she's being like extra flirty with him and it's maybe like touching him or something. And it, he just does the most absolutely ridiculous, like chuckle, nervous laugh. <laughs> it's literally so like that. Weird. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. 
had never, but I'd never stopped to think like the 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 two titles, Naked Time, could be taken as like it's the time to be naked, and that's <laughs> basically what Baron Earth got delivered to her, and it was just, I mean. <laughs> We've seen that the writers are not hesitant with sexuality this uh, this season. It, no, <laughs> no, they are not. <laughs> uh, we we get uh, Boimler spread eagle. We get all the entire crew naked, sitting around like making out with one another, having sex with one another. We get Stevens writing uh, ransom, smacking his butt. By the way, I was wondering what that was. I looked at a screenshot. It's the f- fertility idol from the from Riza that like. I forget, it shows up in an episode of TNG. Uh, a Horgon? A Horgon, yeah. I, I I love that the uh like the intro to well like when she's when she's delivered into the simulation it says, Can you resist your temptations and save the ship? Uh and yet yeah, when she, she she like walks in and is like kind of disgusted by the whole thing, but then uh <laughs> says, Hey, that's an anus. <laughs> Oh my god! There's, there's also a, I, I think I copied it into our uh, into our notes, but uh, it's so I, unfortunately I, I can't. It's not great for for a podcast. But uh, there's a moment like she she sees uh, Barnes and Jennifer making out, and she like she she's into that and is maybe about to give into her temptations, but uh, Boimler saves her. <laughs> <laughs> which i hope bodes well for boimler and mariner not being uh not yes. being partners on the show the other thing i'll point out is that we see billups just sitting and playing on his pad like he's no interest in anything that's happening around him so that's, oh uh, i didn't catch that can canonically accurate Oh yeah, that's funny. Oh yeah, yeah, he's he's naked, but he's just on his Yeah, pad. So he's just he's like yeah, cuz it's the naked time, so he has to be uh-huh. naked. So now now the, the the final thing with Mariner before we look at what some of the other characters did is Mariner can't get on a horse, which I thought was funny. It was a quick gag. I wondered if we were going to go into like the fist fistful of datas or whatever. We did not. Um but which was your uh, favorite of the other simulations that the characters got into? I mean, I I I I love the joke of how like pointing out how ridiculous uh, that the um, like the medical ethics thing is with uh, having the uh, riffing. I think it's a season two episode of uh, TNG where. Um, uh, Worf breaks his his back by having a uh, a empty cargo container an empty spawn. cargo container like box on, box on him mm-hmm. breaks his back and he uh but yeah it's he it broke his back because he picked up a peanut and uh <laughs> needs needs to commit to it commit ritual suicide but uh, he can't do it himself so she needs to do it uh, I, I guess I was wondering, like, is is the way to pass this test that she needs to have like a moral conundrum and like, uh, like talk to them seriously and then like talk to other senior bridge officers and like have like heart to heart moments throughout and like then secretly be able to solve it? Like, is that the true way or was she supposed to just plunge that dagger into his heart right away to respect his culture? I mean, is it is it truly an ethical conundrum if we don't get a scene of Picard by the briefing room window? Yeah, <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, 
Um, yeah, I, I mean, that was another really quick one, but I, I enjoyed the, the fact that she couldn't do it. And, and you know, the guy, I mean, if he's paralyzed, how is he like moving around and falling off the bed and all of this stuff? I felt, <laughs> felt like there were some plot inconsistencies there. But I think Worf somehow falls off the bed in the real episode. I don't remember yeah, what, okay. what he was doing to make that happen. But. <clears throat> yeah, so that, that's the episode Ethics, which is the 16th episode of the fifth season of Star Trek mm. The Next Generation. Uh, we mm. also had um, we also had Rutherford end up in the Wrath of Khan. No, not the Wrath of Khan. Uh, is it the, yeah. it's the Wrath of Khan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, except he doesn't have gloves, <laughs> which, you know, we see Spock like putting on the gloves <laughs> carefully, and there's no gloves. Like when he takes off his shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, did you enjoy the final scene of that particular piece? Yeah, it, in terms of the uh, the yeah the the gloves or, or you mean the explosion or or which? Yeah, they blew up the damn ship. Oh yes, okay, yeah, it 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 it, uh, it kept with my theme of that. Yeah, the show is better if you blow up the damn ship. <laughs> <laughs> um. And then just finally we had uh we had the 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 Borg piece with Boimler or the Borgler <laughs> plot if you will. <laughs> Jill know this, I did not know this. Locutus means in Latin the one who speaks. Oh that so, makes sense. <laughs> excretus <laughs> means is the one who excretes. <laughs> Yeah, and I think I think actually might mean wastes in Latin, but I'm not a hundred percent sure uh, what excreta means. I'll have to look this up while you. Or Boimler. Go. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I, I, you know, we talked about this before. It just was pretty amazing that again, he's he's a really competent guy. You know, this I just thought of something else, like looking at the difference between Mariner and Boimler. Maybe it's just that Boimler excels with test taking because they also have the episode in first mm. season where um, uh, Captain Freeman decides that she's really going to increase productivity. And, you know, she has all these assignments that are given to people and everyone is going crazy and like red eyed and bag bags under their eyes and stressed out to the max. And Boimler's just thriving. He's like, yes, I can do everything, you know? And he gets like, he really amps up his productivity and just thrives in that. So maybe it's that Boimler is a good test taker, but when it comes down to it in real life is when he kind of has, so he gets in his own way when it's like in the real, you know, real life situations. Which I, I guess does fit with uh, the the perfectionist uh, background that he has. Is like it 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 makes you you're, you're extremely good at certain types of things, but yeah, then like anxiety takes over when you're thrown into like an unknowable situation that you really can't win. So I think I'm you know I'm, I'm seeing this Latin meaning here, but there seem to be some different meanings. Like some say increased, um, uh, sifted out, risen up. So there seems to be some like other meanings to some double meanings to excretus which might apply to boimler's development in this season as well so it might be some some subtle hints it's it's not here. just a poop joke <laughs> right did you all catch the uh, the uh, yet another hint that boimler is inhuman yeah yeah the board no, queen am, i'm human no. No, he, he is, or at least maybe he's committed to his uh, 
uh, his storyline that he's human or something. But I, I, I felt like that that was that was written in there for Rudy uh, to <laughs> confirm that he is indeed human. This um, Borg Queen, by the way, where in that scene where we we hear the line about him, her being surprised that he's not that he is human. She's played by Alice Kriege, meaning the actual Borg Queen from mm-hmm. First Contact, who I think has been in two episodes of Voyager. I think she was in like the last one and then in like the that like big two-parter, if I'm not mistaken. The rest no, of the I, Borg Queen I don't Voyager think she was Thompson. I don't think she was one of those because I I I remember there being a different Borg Queen. Uh so there's um Alex Kriege. Alice Kriege is the Borg Queen in First Contact and in Uni- or in Endgame. Yeah. Okay. Okay. A Voyager, and then Susanna Thompson is the Borg Queen. I think in all the other episodes of Voyager. Okay. Yeah. All right. Got it. Got but it. I'm pretty sure they brought Alice Kriege back for that for the finale of Voyager. Yeah, and and it's also it's not clear that it's not the same actress because the makeup is makeup is identical. It, they don't. It doesn't look like they're trying to make like a different Borg Queen. No, not at all. Um, and I mean, this has related to some, you know, questions about are there many Borg queens? Is there one? Like, how does all of this work? Which hopefully Picard gives us some uh, answers around because we see Picard meeting the Borg queen in um, mm-hmm. season the, two, the trailers for the new season, which is so, going to ruin all the jokes uh, that are going to happen because we've we've seen them all for Picard. Yeah, there you go. We, we got the boar queen blowing on on a human again. <laughs> it's just fantastic. <laughs> Borg babies as well. We saw the Borg baby in Voyager. Now we get many Borg babies and Boimler saves them all. <laughs> um, yeah, he made sure to follow all the storylines for that. Like, And that was how to maximize the, uh, the yeah. score. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's... Um, just finally, we have the drill where the senior officers are are stacking crates while something happens, and the senior the senior <laughs> officers don't get to do anything. <laughs> I just it's so good the hexagonal crates that are like impa- impossible to stack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So theoretically, if you have a hexagonal crate, it's actually more secure if if you have two walls in between which, which you're stacking them. Because if you do have that, then you can actually fit. The, that's why the the bottle the hexagonal bottle shape is actually really good for shipping bottles because they actually fit closer together. There's less air gaps in between them. Well, so, and, and I I don't want to uh, ascribe like uh, actual design to like what bees are doing or or a, a, a purpose, but yeah, the, the, like beehives, like it has that hexagonal structure because like not because I. It is very strong, so yeah, it, it is. It is good <laughs> that they have it set up that way. And um, hey, bees yeah. are smart. It could have been designed that way because they knew it was stronger. Yeah, there you go. Maybe. <laughs> uh, so we we that, that was that was a pretty quick one with our senior officers. So I think at this point, let's take a break. We'll come back discuss the end of this episode. Any character notes that we have, and uh, any other things that we want to go over. Uh, uh, Mariner, I really need to get out of here. Like now! Ooh, (laughs) kind of tickles. A remarkable creature. Your design very nearly passes as human. I am human? Oh, well, then you need to drink more water. Your skin is a mess. 
But still, I think I should add your biological distinctiveness to our own. It's kind of our thing. Are, are you sure? Because I've got hay fever and acid reflux. Adding me might result in a net negative for the collective. Welcome back to Strange New Takes. Saw a video yesterday of a horse getting scratched on its rump. It's a very fuzzy horse. It might be one of those like show mules or something. I don't know what they're called. And the guy scratching the horse on its back walked away. It's kind of on its rump, like kind of the back part, just above the tail. And the horse is like, no, no, come back. And like gallops back to the person and turns around and like presents its rump again. Please scratch more. <laughs> I've never associated more with a horse in my entire life. Uh, <laughs> but back to I excretus, uh, where we now get to the part that we discussed in the opening of this podcast that we, that, uh, at least two of us were quite disappointed with, which is the the tension part where Mariner and uh, her mom figure out that it's it's all set up. I, I kind of appreciated that they're like, hey, this was a ploy to like make the yeah. crew bond turned out to be full of shit. But I didn't like why Shari Ying Yang thought, like, was actually doing it. I thought the explanation kind of fell flat a little bit. Yeah, for sure. The pronunciation I... is Shari Yingo Yango. <laughs> 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 yeah again i just agree completely i thought that the um the head fake where they you know think they have kind of learned the lesson and like oh it's all about like empathizing with one another and normally in a star trek episode that would be the lesson right yeah yeah but they you know so they learn the lesson and they go to do the reveal she's like no like <laughs> like no not at all that, that was kind of funny <clears throat> Yeah, we we don't really we don't really get a strong reason that she's kind of pulling a fast one on the Cerritos crew. I honestly think it might have been better if it would have been like a extension of that whole party disinvite thing where they're like Starfleet is embarrassed with you all and they want you to like fail like the you know it's like a bad moral thing rather than a rogue officer thing. I think that would have been a little bit better. Like we we need the backlid like the flagship attacking the blacklids to be more competent so we, we want to like fail you out of starfleet um but then we also don't get i think a re good resolution there because basically freeman just takes the ship into like really dangerous scary situations and that i mean she was in date I, I don't know the, the whole thing of like yeah we do this every day but you're really scared i don't know i didn't it felt kind of flat for me yeah yeah it's like, yeah, well, because like, she does drills, she doesn't know what the real world is like, or so something like that. I don't. It was kind of one logical leap too too many for me. Yeah, and and I guess it 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 seems like they could have uh they they could have resolved it in a similar way of like proving that this isn't like the real world kind of situation uh, without sort of undermining their usual stuff. Like we, we could have had the emergency that they need to warp away and go save another ship. And then that turns out to be dangerous and it sort of comes up. But I, I suppose maybe the writers want us to have, like, it's funnier theoretically to have, uh, Captain Freeman, like blackmailing or like playing chicken with the, uh, the instructor to like, make sure that, that the scores get rescinded or, or whatever. But, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it, it's just it it's it it does feel like a, a a weird way to kind of wrap up the episode. Well, the other thing I'll just mention before we move off story here is that we see the names of a bunch of the Star Trek 
uh, of the lower decks, uh, other lower deckers beyond our crew, and one of them is a Sikh guy named Arjun. Uh, so that's nice, an Indian uh, or South Asian person with a South Asian sounding name. I, I hate on this a lot how Star Trek messes that up. So I'm going to take the opportunity to. Thank you, Star Trek, for making the effort. Listen, obviously, the writers listen to this podcast and are like, we need to shut this guy up. Let's just do it. Throw away, like, screen. Like, his name comes up when they're, like, showing the crew that are going to go into the holodeck. We don't actually see the guy, I don't think so. Not, they're like, we, we just do this and shut him up. Not, how, how do you know for sure that he wasn't really played by Ricardo Montalban? <laughs> <laughs> you don't or Benedict Cumberbatch <laughs> right yeah, that's right oh man yeah exactly well um moving on let's let's take just a second to to talk about any character development notes that we have I don't think there was any serious character development basically other than like um Freeman and, and Mariner kind of patching things up and seeming to again get along better I, I I liked getting to hear the sort of the backstories for the the senior officers like uh, Dr. Taana. Uh, I her explanation of her time as the lower decker was I just waited in the transporter bay in case anybody needed to be transported. I thought that like uh-huh. that was that was pretty great. Uh, and um, I think it was like Freeman wanted to like just waited in the buffet line or something like that. Yeah. Oh, back yeah, at the banquet all day. We we do get a tiny lore dump there that way. Um, mm-hmm. I think most of the other uh, kind of development is that Mariner and Boimler stuff that we've been talking about a little bit already. So I don't want to belabor the topic. Even to expansion of the World of Trek, this episode is kind of a little bit bare because we don't really get to see a lot of new stuff. It's really retreading old things. Although we do find out that the crystalline entities are still around. And we we also find out that the that the lower deckers replicator can only make one slice of pizza at a time. So that that was something that was uh, <laughs> felt pretty pretty important and really useful for the lore. And we can flesh that mm-hmm. out in on memory beta with some uh, fan fiction, right? Um, they also can't make pesto, which now but now with the new replicator that the senior officers bring down, they can <laughs> do that. That's so. an important food. Pesto is delicious, isn't it? It is delicious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, with that, I think it's time for us to stick our necks out and give I Excretus a rating. Uh, which of you would like to go first? I'll, you know what? I'll go first. Why don't I start this time? Okay. Um, as weak as the ending of this episode was, I think... I got to go with a 7 out of 10 because I will want to watch this episode again, I feel like, because it's, it's just got too many good callbacks that, like, you can't ignore it. You can't be like, yeah, I didn't really like that. It's just, come on, it's the mirror. You get to see the Mirror Universe versions. You get to see Boimler beat up on the Borg. Like, it's too good. You get to see, you get to see you, lots of naked people. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Jennifer kissing Barnes, Boimler, Spread Eagle. Come on. <laughs> Stevens on his um, pad, or not? Not Stevens. Uh, Billups. 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 Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah could, could also be a reason to avoid the episode, but. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can go next. Um, I'm gonna give it like six sickly, but still somehow cute Borg babies. 
out of 10. (laughs) (laughs) It was, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm just ambivalent about it. Like I said, I mean, some parts of it I thought were really funny, but overall, I don't know. I, I thought it was pretty middling. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of waffling between because like I, absolutely there are several points parts of the episode where I laughed out loud, uh, uh, screenshotted some things so that I could paste them into the notes because I thought it was hilarious and stuff like that. It, but it's, uh, I, I it for some reason like as a whole it didn't it didn't work for me quite quite as well. I, I but I I think it's still a seven for me. So it, like the the ending maybe let things down a bit but still had some super hilarious moments. So yeah, it's fine. Yeah. I've, I'm giving it a 3.5 out of five. So Consensus. Fairly, we all fairly similar ratings. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think this isn't one of those disagreeable ones where one of us goes at 10 and the other goes like 2.5. I don't think we've had any of those. Have we? I think we've, I, <laughs> Yeah, even that like Lower Decks episode where we all argued, we gave like fives. Oh, I gave <laughs> I gave a two, I gave a two on ten to Lower Decks one x nine for some reason. That, is that isn't the crisis that the, point one? Yeah, I think that's crisis point. Yeah. Okay. That's okay. the one that Adam and I loved and totally had to bring our rating down so that you all didn't like this. Yeah, I, I think if like we had just had you a, couldn't associate with if, us. If we had just had a podcast with just our, just each other, it would have been like, yeah, 10, those amazing this episodes. This was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I think someday I'll go back and watch that and see if it's still, if I feel still as ill-tempered about it or not. But uh, anyway. Well, those were back in the old days when we weren't calibrated as much. Now we have consensus around these things. <laughs> uh, and so it is nice to come and discuss Star Trek with you every week. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Emily. And thank you, Adam, for doing that with me. Thanks, Notch. Thanks, Notch. Yeah, thanks, Notch, for bringing us to consensus. I feel of like th- this, is, this is like some sort of sci-fi plot that's happening right now. <laughs> well, we got to go, you know, eat some pesto together and like smile for the commercial break shot. Um, <laughs> thank you, Rudy. Thank you, Diana. Thank you, Max, for being our other hosts and talking Star Trek with us every now and then. Thank you to your listener for coming in and uh, listening to our episode. We always appreciate you having uh, some of your week with us. Thank you, Justin Guha, for recording our theme music. And finally, special thanks to the scratches on Shaxes. Because, you know, there were some, you know, despite everybody being very, like, naked in that scene, I think that was the most graphic part of it, was just seeing him and Tana and just seeing his body completely ravaged by nail scratches. So Wow, uh, I did not even see that. You all saw so much more detail than I did in those. I think you all paused them and watched them frame by frame. <laughs> I mean, there's so much lore right. that we're getting during those scenes, so we have to. Right? <laughs> All right, everybody. See you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.